Today we're going to be talking about no condemnation in the love of God. What does it mean to have no condemnation in the love of God? Uh, when we think of the love of God, we need to understand that the love of God is the most powerful force in existence. It is the most powerful force known to man that can bring forth the life of God inside man. We cannot think of the love of God outside of thinking of John 3:16, 1 Corinthians 13 and uh, 1 John 4 verse 10, which is all about what love is. And that is what we're going to look at today. Now, as a foundation, I want to say this. It is, um, it is very important to understand what the gospel is. If we don't know what the gospel is, we will be confused. And I found that there are so many different gospels. There are so many different views of God and what the gospel is that I think it is absolutely necessary to lay a foundation. And when we look at the rest of this year and we look at what God has done in a foundation form, in root form, we will have a firm foundation from where we can build uh, different views and different opinions of God, which is in line with the foundation. You know, Paul said that he, as a master builder, laid the foundation and other people built thereupon. So we need to go and have a look at what is the foundation that the Apostle Paul laid. What was his mindset about the love of God? What is the love of God in the mind of Paul? You know, Paul even goes so far to say in 1 Corinthians that all these things will pass away, but the greatest that will remain is faith, hope, and love, of which love is the greatest. You know, we can never preach enough or exhaust the love of God in our preaching. We can never stop to preach about the love of God. There's never, it's a never-ending um, uh, uh, expanse of goodness that we can explore for eternity. I also believe that is why God has given us eternal life, so that we can live forever because it will take God is so great and His goodness is so much and the design that He has and what He's made us to be um, is so magnificent that it will take eternity to explore all of that and to walk in union with one another, you know, um, and understand and believe in one another in fullness. That is what I see. That is what I believe, why God wants us to have eternal life. That is what the gospel is about. The gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ has come to give us eternal life. Now, I, wanna, I want us to go and read uh, two passages. I want to first read from John chapter 3. John chapter 3, and I want to read um, from verse 14. Now, this talks about what it means to be born again. And uh, verse 14 says the following. It says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes... Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believes on Him is not condemned. 
but that he um, but he that believes not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of god now what it says here and i want to read verse 17 again it says for god sent not his son into the world to condemn the world now what this passage talks about it talks about eternal life and it talks about condemnation so you can either be condemned or have life that is the two things you can have and the love of god and the greatest part of this passage is for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him would not perish but have everlasting life now let us read that word perish and be connected with the word condemn it says here in um, in verse 15 that whosoever believes in him should not be condemned but have eternal life or should not perish but have eternal life for god so loved the world that he only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish or should not be condemned but have everlasting life for god sent his son not into the world to condemn the world but the world through him might be saved so you see what he's talking about here is he's talking about a perishing he's talking about a death he's talking about a dying and he connects that directly to numbers 21 he connects it to numbers 21 i want us to go and read numbers 21 and i'm going to read from um from verse 7 i'm going to read from verse 7 this is uh the people that didn't want to eat the manna and uh when they didn't want to eat the manna uh, fiery serpents came and bit them and what happened when the serpents bite them they die you know they die so death comes to people and they're busy dying the poison enters their body and they are dying and uh and then they come to Moses and we pick it up from verse 7 it says therefore the people came to Moses and said we have sinned for we have spoken against the Lord and against you pray unto the Lord that he takes away the serpents from us and Moses prayed for the people and the Lord said unto Moses make a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole and it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten when he looks upon it shall live and moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole and it came to pass that if this um that if a serpent had bitten any man when he beheld the serpent of brass he lived now this is exactly what this whole born again thing is about in john chapter 3 so when we look at john chapter 3 we see what jesus says he says there that the son of man must be lifted up like the brass serpent was lifted up on the pole why so that whosoever believes in him should not perish that would perish there means to be destroyed or to die that is what it means he says for he didn't come to condemn mankind he didn't want people to be condemned that condemnation there is directly connected to perishing or dying that's what it's all about and then he says there clearly that whosoever believes upon him shall not perish or shall not die or shall not be condemned but that they will live And the wonderful thing about Numbers 21 it says there that whosoever looked at this snake with intent 
If you look at the Hebrew there, it says, when you, the, whosoever looked at the snake with intent, with an expectation from that, um, that person lived and he didn't die. The scripture says in verse 13, John three thirteen, there, um, it says there that no, no man has ascended into heaven, but he that came down, the Son of Man that came down, in, down from heaven, talking about Jesus. And it says, this Jesus, as the representation or the rep- representative of all of mankind, must be lifted up as what you could see a bronze snake upon the pole, upon the cross, um, dead, dying there. When we see the death of that snake, what will happen to us? We will live and we will not be condemned to death. That is what it is all about. We will have life. And Jesus Christ did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now I want to say this, and I've said this in previous broadcasts, we need to understand that condemnation and guilt is not the same thing. When you say there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, it does not mean there's no guilty feeling for those who are in Christ. I can tell you, if you are in Christ and you, a, a wrong thought comes to your mind, you will find that, um, man, if you can blush, you know, it means you're already feeling guilty. So, um, it doesn't say there's no feeling of guilt for those who are in Christ. It says there is no condemnation, there's no more death for those who are in Christ. Uh, because of this love of God. So we look at the love of God as God's act to come and bring man to a place where man can um, have his life uh, or, or have his life preserved uh, into eternal life. That is what the love of God is all about. The love of God is all about saving man from death and giving man eternal life. When we talk about eternal life, we are talking about the resurrection, which was understood by the early church, and you can go and study this out, as the resurrection from the dead. Remember when Lazarus died, um, they said to, um, Jesus said to him, he will live again. They said, yes, in the resurrection, he will live again. So what the Jews understood under the resurrection was that Lazarus would be raised out of the grave in the resurrection. Then Jesus came and he says, He is the resurrection, and he pointed a sign that he has the power to do that, and he raised Lazarus from the dead. So, um, in order to enter into this death, we have to be under a power called the flesh, or the fleshly system, or the poison of the snake, the poison of Satan. And that poison of Satan inside us pollutes our lives with sin, pollutes our lives with what, what Paul calls the fruit of the flesh. The only way wherein we will have sin to stop in our lives and holiness to manifest in our lives is not by another dose of willpower, neither is it by another... Um, another uh, 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 confession of sin and the showing of remorse. I will tell you, the showing of remorse is not the power of God. The power of God is, is what Jesus Christ has done, wherein He raised Christ from the dead, and where we can look at Jesus, and where He died upon that cross, and when we look at what happened upon that cross with intent, in other words, expecting life, 
what we will find is that the poison that kills us will lose its power. The poison that kills us will lose its power. It will be an antidote to the poison. You know, um, the other day they had a program on the radio talking about, um, just talking about uh, anti-venom. And they said, you know, you shouldn't just give anti-venom whenever a snake bites you. You need to know who the, I mean, what snake bit you and all those kind of things. So that you can give the right antidote or the anti-venom uh, to that person. Otherwise, he can die. So uh, when we look at Jesus and we look at, uh, and what we are, when we look at our problem in life, the problem in our lives is because of the poison of the snake. And the snake is Satan, and his poison is his message, his word, that which came out of his mouth. And what came out of the mouth of Satan was a message that says, you can have eternal life by your works. You will not die. You will live by eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you're just going to have knowledge of good and evil, then you, by your own power, you can live, and you will not die in the presence of good and evil. Don't worry about it. You will live forever. That is a way unto life. And um, when they believed that lie and that a poison entered them, the only thing that can, uh, the only antidote that they can be for us, that we will not die um, and have the effects of that poison in us, which is the fruit of the flesh, is to behold Christ upon the cross. When we see Jesus Christ upon the cross, that is an antidote. It is something that gets injected into our veins. And the first thing that we feel inside us is we find that our thoughts, our thought life gets purified. Our motives get purified. We find a love for God coming forth. We find a love for people coming forth. We might still see. And then with that antidote inside us, we start to see signs and wonders and miracles taking place as this, as this anti-venom, which is Christ, uh, kills the venom of the devil. And as it kills the venom of the devil, we are starting to see the signs of life. And then the last thing that the anti-venom will conquer is even death, the death of the physical body. And we know that will be in the return of Jesus Christ. Isn't that absolutely awesome? And that is described by the apostle as the love of God. Herein is the love of God. First John 4 verse 10, the Bible says, Herein, herein is the love of God packaged. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us in sending His Son or giving His Son as the propitiation for our sins. Now we need to understand that in the light of, remember, uh, uh, John 3. John comes and he says there, you know, for God so loved the world that He gave His Son that we will not be condemned with death. Herein is love that He came to give His Son so that we can have immortality and eternal life. That is what it's all about. Now, I think that is a good foundation uh, that I've just laid so that we can go and have a look at uh, 1 Corinthians 13. And we're going to look at the love of God and what that love is all about because the Bible is clear, you know, that the greatest way to live is in love. Uh, it's greater than the gifts. It's greater than all those kind of things. So, in conclusion for, of this foundation, this is what I want to say. The gospel 
the good news is that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. When we see Jesus crucified, like Paul said, I don't want to know anything but our Messiah as the crucified one. Jesus and Him crucified. And when I behold the crucifixion, and I behold the death of the snake, and I behold the resurrection of Jesus Christ with the intent to live, with the intent that that cross will end the poison in my life and its effects and the death in my life. When I look with that intent, then I find that antidote starts to bring forth uh, uh, life inside me. Remember, when the snake, if your child was bitten by by a snake in that time, and you would go to the place where there was a snake upon the pole, you would tell your child, look at that pole and look at that snake. And what would you expect? you would expect that from that you will not die, but you will live. That is what it's all about, that you will not die, that your life will not be cut short, but that you will have life. In the case of Jesus, we are beholding that so that we can have eternal life. And the eternal life is defined clearly in um, having the Holy Spirit which will raise our bodies from the dead that we can live forever exactly as what Jesus Christ lives forever. Now, you might say to me, Bertie, why are you preaching this and why are you laying this foundation? Very simply because we don't want to live a life of the fruit of the flesh. We don't and we want to have eternal life. That is, that is the only reason. That is what it's all about. He has come to give us His Life. Now, let us go to 1 Corinthians 13, and, and we're going to read from 1 Corinthians 13, and we're going to just look at powerful scripture on the love, of, uh, the love of God. It says here in verse 1, it says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not love, I've become a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. So what he says here is, he says, if you, if you pray in tongues of men and angels and you do not have love, You are just empty. It's like there's a noise, but there's nothing inside. Now, you know, as I say this, you might feel guilty already. Now, I want to say to you, there is no condemnation. There is no death for those who are in Christ Jesus. And nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is that He will give you eternal life through Jesus. So the moment I I read this and you feel guilt in your heart, I want to say to you, you can through that simply identify that there's a wrong belief in your heart about this passage. Because Jesus is not there to try and make you feel guilty, neither is he there to condemn you unto death. So he says here, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, and I have not love, I have become a sounding brass, or I have come into being, and what has come forth is basically nothing, emptiness. Verse 2, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand the mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith that I could remove mountains, and I have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, doesn't that sound like love? To be selling everything you have and giving it to the poor? Who will sell everything he has and give it to the poor without feeling something for them? No one. So here it says that you can actually 
uh, do so good, so much good unto people uh, without having love. So we need to ask ourselves, what is this love? And he says, and though I give my body to be burnt and have not love, it profits me nothing. It profits me nothing. Now let me read that again. Though I bestow my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burnt and have not love, it profits me nothing. Thing in Afrikaans it says, then I am nothing. So this love, what is this love? Now if you go and study the word love there, it is the word agape, and um, it is a noun. It is not a verb. So what it means, it doesn't mean that... Um, even if I speak to men, uh, even if I speak with the tongues of men and angels and do not walk in love, I am nothing. That's not what it means because it is not a verb, it is a noun. So when we, th- w- when we use a noun, and I'll, I- I'm not very good with languages, but I've just checked this out again, we can put the word the in front of it. Like you would say, the table. The word table is... Is 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 um, is a noun, you know. So, like with love, it's a noun. It is uh, a thing. So, when you look at, when you look at the word love, and you think of the word love, you must actually say the love. In the Afrikaans, it's actually translated correctly. It says there, "Al praat ek nie meritale van mense in Engels en ek het nie die liefde nie." Translated. Directly from the Afrikaans, it says, if I speak with, a, with, with tongues of men and angels and I don't have the love. Now, the moment we say and we hear that, we hear the love, we are at a place where we know it is not something that we must do again. It is, we, we must say, what is this love? What is the love? So what he's saying there is, and let us go back to the foundation I've laid in the service. herein is love that he gave his only begotten son that we would have eternal life that is what it's all about God so loved the world that we would not die but have eternal life now this might be shocking to you but I want to say this and I want to preach this because we want this antidote to settle into your veins so that we can see the fruit of the spirit come forth in your life effortlessly, where you have no fear, where you have no more guilt, where you have no more condemnation, where you can start to see the renewal of the inward man, and where you will also have the confident expectation to see the signs of the renewal of the outward man, which is signs, wonders and miracles, and where you will see the renewal of the outward man in Christ when he returns, which is immortality in the human body. It's sad to say that there are uh, uh, doctrines out there that says that Christ will not return anymore. Uh, It is sad to hear that some people say that Christ returned and that His return is past and that that He returned in, in us and that there's basically no more resurrection of the physical body. Uh, you know, that message doesn't have the antidote to bring forth the true fruit of the Spirit. The love that we see there is, uh, and the good works that we see there, even if you give your body to be burnt for that message, even if you can speak with all tongues of, of men and angels, it, you will, whatever came forth doesn't come from the antidote. It doesn't come forth from God. It is a man-made holiness. That is what it is all. And this is what it's 
says here. It says, even if I have so much love that I can give my body to be burnt. Now, what is the context if when, when Paul comes his body to be burnt? He's talking about standing up for the gospel. You know, when they were burnt in Rome in the Colosseum. That is what he's talking about. He's talking about the persecution of the Christian standing for the gospel. So he says here, if I stand for a gospel that doesn't have the love, which is the message of the resurrection where we are not condemned to death, but where we believe in eternal life, it's just nothing. It means nothing. Because Jesus didn't die for us so that, the Bible doesn't say herein is love that we can do miracles. Herein is love that we can have great faith so that we can move mountains. The gospel is not the message of how we can move mountains. The gospel is not the message. It is not here in His love that we can do miracles. It's not here in His love that we can give our body to be burnt. Or here in His love that we can give everything to the poor. That is not what the gospel is about. The gospel is not about how God can empower you to give your body to be burned. That is not what the gospel is about. The gospel is the message wherein God says that I've got the antidote of death. That is what the gospel is. That is the good news. That is what it is. And I want to say to you that when you hear this, you might say, this is strange. Uh, it's strange words. It, it, it is a doctrine that I, have, that I have not heard. I just thought that the gospel is the message of how I'm going to go to heaven. I want to tell you that is not the gospel. That is not the true gospel. Uh, heaven can be likened, that Paul talks about people that sleep. Now when we talk about sleep, and, and uh, um, I'm not saying we, when we die we go into a non-existence or anything like that. I'm just saying that when we die, Paul talks about a sleep. And and, and when you go to heaven or experience heaven, it can be likened to a dream. I mean, when we sleep, we have a dream and it's very, very real, but that is not the reality of our life. In the very same way, I want to say to you, when you talk about heaven, liken it in the power of a dream in connection to reality. The true reality, the true awakening, the true good news, the true gospel is that that which, which Adam brought forth was cancelled by Jesus and that we cannot end it by our own works. We cannot end it by our own life. The only thing that can end it is Christ and the power of His resurrection and His Holy Spirit. That is the only way wherein we can have life. So I want to say to you that the good news, the gospel, is the message of no condemnation, the message of no guilt, the message of uh, no works unto salvation, but it's the message where God came and He ended what Adam has done. There's a big confusion um, uh, that I've seen in I've believed it for a long time, and I want to share this with you. You know, when Adam died, we, the Bible says clearly to Adam, he says, the day you eat hereof, you will surely die. The day you eat hereof, you will surely die. Now, the way we think of it is that Adam ate of it and he didn't die. That's a lie. <laughs> you know, we think that Adam ate of it and didn't die. He continued to live and only died later, so he didn't actually die. Um, now let me, but he just died spiritually. No, what the Bible talks about 
when Adam ate of that tree, it, it, the Bible said, in, in the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. And we need to understand that when the Bible talks about a day, we cannot measure every day in 24-hour cycles. Like uh, the first day, you know, God, and God created the heaven and the earth. You know, and God said, let there be light. And he saw it was good. And so every day God created things. And then I think on the fourth day, he made the sun and the moon and the stars. So how was a day calculated if the sun and the moon and the stars where everything orbits and everything is only made on the fourth day? How do you calculate the day? So a day cannot be calculated in 24 hours when, when God comes and says to Adam, in the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. You see, the thing that uh, the devil wants to tell you is that physical death is not the big thing in the eyes of God. And he wants to make nothing of the human body. Uh, because he wants to make nothing of the sacrifice of Christ, which was in a physical body, and he wants to make nothing of the resurrection, which was in a physical body. Jesus' physical body was raised and glorified. And the same with us, our physical bodies will be raised and glorified. Hallelujah. So, I, I want to say to you that Adam, and when, if we say a day is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day, then we can say this, that the day Adam ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he did die because he became 960 years old. So when Adam, I think it's about 960, Adam became very old, but he didn't make one day. He died in that very same day. And what God said to Adam, he said to him, when you eat of this, and this is the punishment of Adam, he says, of, you are of dust and unto dust you will return. And now Jesus Christ comes and he incarnates this dust and from this dust he brings forth eternal life for Adam. He comes and gives us brand new life. And that is the good news and that is the love of God. Now, let's read 1 Corinthians 13 again. It says here, Though I speak with tongues of men and angels and have not the love, the message of God giving eternal life to man in spirit, soul and body, wherein man is raised from the grave, where man stands immortal inside his human flesh, wherein he is spirit, soul and body made well and live. When, if, if, if I do all these good things but I don't have that, I'm just nothing. It is nothing. I have come to nothing. I'm just making a nice noise, but the inside is empty. Because what it basically talks about, and if we read in John chapter 1 verse 12, it says there that he basically came to give his son so that whosoever believes in him will have eternal life. And it also says there that whosoever believes on him have the right to say, I am born of God. In other words, those who believe in him what believe what believe that he was physically raised from the dead and that his resurrection is my resurrection those who believe that they don't amount to nothing but that love of God brings forth the fruit of God in them now listen to this it says here in um, verse verse 4 the love it says your charity in the King James or love it doesn't say love um, suffers long. In other words, if you are loving, you better suffer long. That's not what it's saying. It says the love, which is God that gave His Son that came and to give us eternal life. This message of life believed suffers long. 
So what he's saying here, he's saying, people, you don't have to chase after some gift. You don't have to chase after super, a super sacrificial life. You don't have to chase after any of these things to amount to something. All you need is the love. Don't say that all you need is to love. Because he's already saying, if you give your body to be burnt, if you give all your goods to the poor, and you don't have the love. So what he's actually saying is, if you give all these things, but you don't have the gospel, if you don't have the truth, then the good that you have done... You know, we immediately want to read, and then God's angry with us, and God wants to punish us, and God wants to kill us. No, He didn't come to kill the world. He came to give life. Um, It says, the love, the love, uh, the antidote to sin possesses long-suffering. The love. Uh, you know, what they were thinking of in this passage is, if I can just go and, and stand for the gospel and sacrifice my life for the gospel, it says, whoa, 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 it's not out of you. If you've got the John 3.16, if you've got the First John 4.10, if you've got the John 3.15, if you've got that, if you've got the message that he has, that, Adam ate and the day he ate thereof, he died. And you know this thing of a spiritual death. I don't know where people get it. Adam died. He was buried. We die today. Our problem is we are dying. And Jesus came and the biggest thing that Jesus was in fear of and when he had fear in his heart, when he was thinking of the cup he had to drink, which was the death. The torture unto death. His soul was vexed. He was at a place where his, his heart, he was sweating blood and he was afraid. Why? Because he was dying. You know, death is not our friend. <laughs> We've made death our friend because Paul said, you know, death is gain to me. Because, you know, they were saying, you know, that the reason why Paul was saying death was a gain was because he would be out of the torture and misery. You must remember that guy was, he received of the Jews, I think it was five times 39 blows. What Jesus received, he received five times. Paul, he was stoned. Do you know how somebody looks when he's stoned? He's, he's stoned until... Uh, man, I, I haven't done it, but go on YouTube or go somewhere and put in there the stoning of somebody and then you look a video on how it looks when they stone people. Paul was stoned. He, he, he carried the marks of suffering. He was in death every day where he was threatened with his life every day. That's why he says, death to me is a gain. Not because I'm just going to be with Jesus, because I will be delivered from a certain torture. But his hope wasn't to be unclothed or to be found naked. His hope was the resurrection from the dead. Now, the Bible says those who have this life or the, this, this, this love in them, that, that antidote has got a power inside it that brings forth long-suffering that will give you the ability as the Apostle Paul had. Because Paul had the hope of the resurrection, that's what gave him the power to withstand being tortured. Love is kind. Love is 
loves to, it, it finds its delight in contributing to the happiness of others. This message of eternal life and immortality, this message of the antidote that comes into us, this message of seeing the snake crucified, the message of the hope of the resurrection, you know what it brings to us? It, it, it brings us to a place where we will not envy another man's things. It brings us to a place where we will not try and parade ourselves, where we are not puffed up, where we don't, don't behave unseemly, we, um, where we don't just seek our own, where we are not easily provoked and where we think no evil. You know, I want to I say to you, and I want to um, end this off in this last uh, five minutes that we have here. I, I want to say to you that the message of eternal life as the message where God doesn't hate your body, where He loves your body, where He loves you and He wants to preserve your life, where Jesus, and when I think of what He said upon the cross was so beautiful to me, He said, Father, into your hands I give my spirit. The Bible says a man without his spirit is dead. So he said, that life that you've given to me when you came and formed me in Mary's womb and when I was born, that life that that, that you've given me, I give it to you. I don't want to die. That's why Jesus prayed and said, Father, if it's your will, let this cup go past me, but not my will be done, your will. So I don't want death, but because death is not the friend of man. Death is not the friend of God. Death is not the friend of Adam. And Jesus didn't even want that. But he came to a place where he said, that which makes me alive, my spirit, I give it to you, Father, because I trust you that you will restore my life. And the life of Jesus wasn't just restored with a spirit in heaven. The life of Jesus was restored to the point that they went to the grave and found no bones there. And I want to say to you that since sin is in the flesh, as we start to believe and, and uh, uh, as we start to believe in the resurrection of the physical body, and we start to see how our physical body is included into the salvation plan, we will find that this law system called the flesh that's got an effect on our bodies because we use our bodies, we use our will, we use our intellect and all those kind of things to try and perform good works. When we start to include that into the salvation plan, when we, when we have Christianity with the love, I mean there's been a loveless Christianity preached. I want to tell you a Christianity that says, just go and do good to people, give your things to the poor, do all those kind of things. I want to tell you, that is the, without a belief in the physical resurrection of Christ and our resurrection, I want to tell you, it's a loveless Christianity because herein is love that He gave His only begotten Son that we might have eternal life. And he, what does it talk about? It talks about a snake that bites a person in his body and venom enters him and he starts to die and we see the brand new life. What is this brand new life? It's the resurrection from the dead where in Christ the, um, uh, 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 the firstborn from the dead where we see him and if there's a firstborn there will be a secondborn, a thirdborn and we will see ourselves with that life. As we ponder and think and meditate upon the love of God, 
we will find the antidote bring forth its fruit in us. And now I've watched uh, um, a, a documentary of a man uh, uh, long ago, you know, that was, um, that was bitten by a snake and, and then they, you know, as they put this antidote in him, he says that they put it in and he feels nothing. But the antidote is working. And then as time's gone on, he starts to feel better and he starts to feel relief and he starts to, you know, his nerve system starts to work properly again. It can start to breathe again and they don't have to have the ventilator and everything. So maybe you are on some form of a ventilator today where you feel, I cannot even spiritually breathe. I cannot even have life. But I want to tell you, as you believe this message, the antidote will bring life to you. Glory to God. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that beautiful? That the antidote is the love of God. The love believes all things. The love uh, um, endures all things. And it says, the love never ends. In other words, this love in you will cause you to never end, to have eternal life. Glory to God. That is what the Apostle Paul was communicating. He was saying to them, don't chase after the miracle thing. Yes, we can desire it. We can have warmth for it. We've got, I mean, this antidote, the signs of the antidote is signs, wonders, and miracles. But we're not chasing after that. What we believe is the message of life. Glory to God. Isn't that absolutely awesome? Let me just pray for you. Father, I want to thank you that I can pray for everybody that's watching. I thank you for your love and your grace. I thank you for your hand, hands extended uh, to us and where you were put upon the cross and you were w- put upon that cross and where, uh, where the windows of heaven, which is you, were opened upon the cross and where we could see heaven and where you poured out a blessing that there wasn't enough room to contain it, which is the life that you've poured out. Thank you for that, Lord. I thank you that everybody that's watching will just receive Receive that right now and the message of your life and the, and the love will flood their hearts as they see this effortless gospel of your salvation plan. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I want to thank you so much for watching and I will see you then next week. God bless.